Let's look at this, the fight of your life, John chapter 10, verse number 10, kind of an overarching scripture for this series. The Bible says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. They are Christians, may have life and that they may have it to have it more abundantly. The, the Bible says that God wants us as followers of Christ to live an abundant life. Listen, God's will is that we would have an abundant life. That, that our, our marriages would be abundant. That they would be great marriages. That's God's will, abundant life. That we would have godly kids and godly offspring. God's will is that we would have abundant kids. God's will is that we would have abundant friendships, great friendships that add value to our life, that make us more like Christ. Abundant friendships. God's will is that we would have a meaningful career and a meaningful workplace that, that's blessed of the Lord, that we would have an abundant workplace. God's will for our life is that we would have victory over sin, that sin would not dominate our lives, that we would not suffer the consequences of sin, that we would have an abundant life. God's will is that we would walk closely with our Savior, that we would know the Lord in a great and a mighty way and walk closely with Him all the days of our life. God's will is that we would experience an abundant life. And if that's God's will, if that's the case, then why does it seem so hard at times? Why does it seem so difficult and tough at times? Why does it seem like it's a battle to experience this abundant life that God desires for us to have? I'll tell you why. Because you and I are in a battle. We're in an all-out war. I read it to you a few moments ago the scripture also says in John 10, 10, that the thief, the enemy, the adversary, the devil comes. His mission statement on earth is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Whether you realize it or not, you're in the fight of your life. Here's how it happened. God created everything that is. He created everything in the visible world and in the invisible world. As part of his creation, he created spiritual beings who would carry out his will, who would carry out his plan. And those spiritual beings are called angels. And, and when God created angels, the angelic beings, he created one angel that was in many ways greater than the other angels. This angel, the, the son of the morning. He was a beautiful angel. He had a beautiful voice. He was the worship leader, the choir director in heaven. And the Bible says this angel Lucifer, his heart began to be filled with pride and he wanted to be God. He wanted to take over heaven. And the Bible says he convinced a third of heaven to rebel with him against God. And the Bible says a war broke out in heaven. And God kicked Lucifer out of heaven along with a third of the angels to the earth. You see, angels, just like 
human beings. They have a free will. And Lucifer chose to rebel against God, was kicked to the earth. And listen, when he got to the earth, the battle began with humanity. Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible, that God created the heavens and the earth. And he also created humanity. You'll see that in Genesis 1 and in Genesis chapter 2. And when he created humanity, the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 3 that Satan, the battle began. And he began to tempt Adam and Eve to disobey God. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve fell for the temptation. They disobeyed God in Genesis 3. And sin was ushered into the world. And death through sin. And then the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, death enters our world through a murder. Two brothers, Cain and Abel, a murder happened. And ever since that moment, when the battle began, sin entered the world, death through sin. We see the first death in Genesis chapter 4. And ever since that moment, it's been one death after another. Death, cruelty, brutality, rape, murder, murder, sin. It's been chaos ever since because there is a devil who is battling and wants to stop us from experiencing abundant life. And God knew humanity was in a battle with Satan. So God sent his only son named Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ lived the perfect and sinless life. And he died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And not only did he die, but he rose again on the third day with all power in his hands. And Jesus defeated Satan, death, hell, and the grave. And if you're a Christian, it's so important you understand this. If you're a Christian, you're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. It's important you grasp that. You're not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. Because Jesus Christ won the victory over Satan on the cross of Calvary and when he rose again on the third day. So as a believer, as a Christian, you can live in victory over Satan and experience the abundant life that God has for you. But understand this, it's a battle. It's a battle to experience the abundant life. Listen to me, listen to me. If, you, if you've ever tried to have a great and godly marriage, you know it's a battle. I've been married 15 years this year, and not just, just kind of married, but happily married. A godly, blessed marriage, a great marriage. I cannot tell you to have a godly and great marriage. It's a battle to have a great marriage. If you've ever tried to raise godly kids in this world that we're living in, you know it's a battle. There's a war going. It's a battle to raise up godly kids. If you've ever tried to live a life of integrity, live a life that honored God, when people were going one way, you had to go the other way. When people were making wrong choices, you had to make right choices. If you ever tried to live a life of integrity, you know it's a battle. If somebody's ever hurt you deeply and wounded you and you try to forgive them, you know it's a battle. There's a war going on. There's a battle going on. And what I want to do today is give you four necessary battle strategies. Four necessary battle strategies to experience the abundant life that God has for us. Number one is this. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 6. Matter of fact, the next five weeks, I'm going to be unpacking and digging into Ephesians chapter 6. You see, this portion of Scripture deals with spiritual warfare. 
We're in a battle. We're in a war. And in these portions of Scripture, it tells us how to experience the victory. And so Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verse number 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his, in the Lord's mighty power. You see, we need to be strong in the Lord because we're in a battle. First of all, we're fighting our flesh. You see, our flesh left to itself will lead us to rebel against the will of God. That's why our flesh needs to be surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit. But we're not only battling our flesh, we're battling the devil and his demonic forces. So Paul says, be strong in the Lord. In other words, Paul says, know where where your help comes from. You got to know where your help comes comes from our strength to win the battle and to experience abundant life. Our strength, our help doesn't come from ourselves. You see, friends, it comes from the Lord. We can't win the power. We're not strong enough in our own power to win the battle. We can't be strong in ourselves, in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own power, in our own might. We have to lean on the Lord. And yes, so many Christians, some of you today, some of you watching online right now, you are losing the battle because you're trying to win and experience victory in your own strength. But you can't experience victory over your flesh and over the devil and his demonic forces in your own strength. And so Paul starts off by saying, you want to you want to win the battle? Be strong in the Lord. And he goes on to say, and in his mighty power, because he has ability and power that you don't have. God has mighty power. You see, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and caused him to ascend into heaven and to sit at the right hand of the Father. That same power is available to work in your life. And so he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let me give you a second necessary battle strategy. I want you to experience victory in your life. Number two is this. Put on your battle gear. Your battle gear. Paul goes on to say in the next verse, Ephesians 6 and verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Everybody shout full. That's so important. Not half of it. Not two-thirds of it. Not a third of it. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You see, you cannot go into a battle unprepared or you will be defeated. You have to have the proper battle gear on to win the victory. It was my freshman year in college. I had just showed up on the university campus for two-a-days. It was early in two-a-days season, the beginning of the football season, and we were having our practice in full pads. And I was a receiver and lined up to run a route, and I ran a slant route with these full pads on and catching the ball. A cornerback, he was a junior or a senior. He was a starter on the football team. I'm a true freshman. He hits me. I mean, drills me. Hits me so hard, picks me up, drives me into the ground, and literally I'm laying there. And one of those moments, one of those few moments I've had when it's kind of like seeing stars. My head is hurting. I lay on the ground for a while. People coming around, Cooper, you okay? Cooper, you okay? You know, they help me up, help me over to the sideline, and I get to the sideline next to the coach. I can't even stand. I just sit on one knee. 
because I'm just dazed, man. I just, I'm just dazed. And, and the coach looks at me and says, Cooper, catch the football. I wanted to knock him out. I just want, I wanted to punch him. You catch the football. Did you see what happened to me? Sean took my head off. And can I tell you what I think about? If I wouldn't have had my battle gear on, I probably would have ended up in the hospital. Literally, as hard as I got hit, I could have died that day. He drove me to the ground. My head hit the back of the ground. But the good news is I had my battle gear on. I had my helmet on. I had my mouthpiece in. I had my shoulder pads on. And so although the blow hit me pretty hard, I was able to withstand the blow. And I practiced in the, I didn't practice the rest of that day into the afternoon. Amen. I had to sit out the morning session. Brother was, brother had to recover a little bit. You see what I'm saying? But I was ready to go in the afternoon because I had my battle gear on. And some of you, some of you are losing the battle because you don't have on the full armor of God. You're trying to go into battle without your helmet of salvation on. You got your shoulder pads on. You got your, your breastplate of righteousness, but you don't have the helmet of salvation. Some of you got the helmet of salvation, but you don't have the breastplate of righteousness. Some of you have the breastplate of righteousness, but you don't have your cleats on. You don't have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Some of you don't have the sword of the spirit on. Listen, some of you don't have the full armor of God and the enemy is having a heyday in your life. So Paul says, listen, the key to victory is put on the full armor of God. And throughout this series, we're going to talk in detail about the armor of God and how to put it on and how to use it. That's why I'm asking you to be here the next five weeks. You're in a battle. Some of you are really losing big time. And I want to arm you up on how to win the battle in your life these next five weeks. A third thing is this. A third necessary battle strategy is stand against the devil's schemes. Stand against the devil's schemes. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11, put on the full, full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, Satan has schemes. He has a well-organized plan to take you out. And if you're going to have victory over Satan, you need to know his schemes. And the Bible talks about Satan's schemes. When I was in high school, I was a senior in high school. And for us to experience victory on the football field, it was important to have the proper battle gear on. But another thing that was very important to ensure victory was we had to understand and know our opponents, or what we call them, our enemies' schemes. So not only did we practice, but one of the things that we did frequently throughout the week is we watched film on our opponents. And so we would literally sit down for an hour, two hours, three hours, and we would watch film on who we were getting ready to play. On the offensive side of the ball, you'd watch the defense. You'd watch their tendencies. You'd watch the formations they would get in. You'd watch any blitz packages when they were trying to blitz and rush the quarterback. You'd watch how they how they lined up for pass uh, for passing downs on third and long, third and short. You wa- you watch. You try to find a weakness in the defense. You try to find a weak player, maybe a cornerback or safety who had weaknesses, and you tried to expose them. You you studied their schemes. If you're on the defensive side of the ball, you studied the offensive side of the ball. You wanted to see what kind of formation does the offense line up. What kind of plays do they run? What are some of their tendencies? Who do they like to throw the ball to? What, what, what plays it? Do, do they do they pull a guard? Do they pull a tackle? How, how do they? So you can be ready to stop the offense. And there was a senior in high school. We were playing Winniewood High School in the playoffs. 
They had just won the state championship the year before undefeated, and they were, in 92, were undefeated as well, vying for another state championship. Their star running back, his name was James Allen for Winnie Wood. He went on to play for the Oklahoma Sooners, and James Allen was the starting running back, and, and they, they were a, 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 a monster of a team. And here we are, we were in the, in the quarterfinals or semifinals of the playoffs. We had a very good team as well, and, and it was one of the only times I felt like we might have got outcoached. Had a great coach, but this team was unbelievable. I was playing running back, and as I was playing running back, we got in a formation that we were getting ready to want to sweep. I'm getting ready to catch the ball to the outside from the quarterback and run it around and hopefully score a touchdown. As we lined up in this formation, Winnie would have started screaming, Here comes the sweep! Here comes the sweep! Watch the receiver, he's going to crack back! My eyes get big. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Literally, they threw that sweep to me. I caught the ball. Bam! I got hit so hard, I went to the sideline. I said, hey, coach, they know what plays we're running. And it was one of the only times. I love to have the ball in my hands. But it was one of the only games I played, and I thought, don't hand me the ball. Don't hand me the ball. Coach, don't run that sweep. No, coach calls the sweep again. I get in the formation. Here comes the sweep! Sweep! Watch the crackback sweep! I catch the ball. Bam! Get knocked out because they had studied our schemes. And there's a spiritual enemy, and the Bible gives us his schemes, and you need to know what his schemes are. So when he begins to attack you, try to kill and steal and destroy from you, you can look and go, sweep! Sweep! I know what you're trying to do. I know it's you. I know you're trying to sweep! trying to attack me and the bible gives us his battle strategies and let me just share several of his strategies his schemes with you for a few moments the first is this he blinds the minds of unbelievers the devil tries his best to stop people from being saved from giving their life to jesus the bible says it like this in second corinthians chapter four and verse three through four it says and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing It says the God of this age, the God of this world, talking about the devil, little g, yet he's more powerful than us, of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, some of you in this place today, some of you watching online, you're like, well, I don't know about that gospel stuff. I don't don't believe all that stuff. I don't believe the Bible. You're in a battle. There is an enemy that is blinding your mind. That's one of his strategies. Some of you have friends and family members, and they're just cold. They're hard to the gospel. And you think, ah, you know, I don't know. They're just hard-hearted. No, 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 no. Understand, you're in a battle. They're in a battle. The enemy's job is to blind the mind of unbelievers. There's a battle going on for your soul. There's a second thing I want you to see. We're talking about the devil's schemes. Number two is this. He's a deceiver. He's a deceiver. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He comes to us as an angel of light. He's, see, the enemy, Satan, is the master of deception. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 8 chapter 40, verse number 44, he's called Satan the father of lies. One of his greatest schemes and plots and plans is to operate in deception and with lies. 
There's a third strategy. Sweep! Sweep! The third thing, the third thing is he destroys relationships. And one of his main weapons is unforgiveness. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 10, If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I, and what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Paul says, listen, I'm not going to hold on to a grudge. There's not going to be any bitterness. If there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Because what Satan wants to do is let us harbor unforgiveness and hold on to a grudge and hold on to bitterness and let there be tension in relationships. But Paul says, I'm, I'm not unaware of his schemes. I've forgiven. I've let it go. A fourth strategy, a fourth strategy, fourth scheme of the devil is he hinders ministry from happening. That's his goal, is to hinder ministry from happening. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17 says, But, brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again And again, we wanted to come to you, minister to you, bless you, be in your presence. But Satan stopped us. It's very important that you understand that God's will is not always done. And and, and Satan and his demonic forces are constantly trying to stop ministry from happening. Paul doesn't exactly tell us what Satan used to stop the ministry from happening at that moment. But it says Satan, Satan stopped us. And I want you to understand, Satan wants to stop ministry from happening in this church. He wants to stop ministry from happening in our city. He wants to stop ministry from happening in our state. He wants to stop ministry from happening around our nation. His goal is to stop ministry from happening around the world. It's one of his tactics is to hinder ministry from happening. There's a fifth thing he does, and that is this. He sends false teachers. It's one of his schemes, false teachers. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 through 2 says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, we're in those times, some will abandon the faith and will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teaching come through hypocritical liars, through people, through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. You see, everything that's been taught in our world today is not biblical. It's not the word of God. There are some things being taught and said that are being driven and are being influenced by Satan himself, by demonic forces. That's why it's so important that you go to a Bible-believing church that preaches the infallible word of God. Because in the last days, the Bible says one of his schemes is false teaching. There's a sixth thing. There's a sixth thing. I want you to see this scheme. I want to expose it today. And that is this. He persecutes Christians. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Because one of the weapons the enemy uses is to persecute the church of Jesus Christ. See, some of you wonder why things have gotten tough since you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Because, because you thought being a Christian would be a life of ease. Oh no, baby! You signed up for a war. You're in a battle. You see, when you were on the devil's side, you were still part of the war, but he was on your side. You were on his side. He kind of just took care of you. Gave you a little bit more dope. 
Get you a little bit more fun. But as soon as you crossed over to the Lord's side, an onslaught came from the enemy to persecute you, to silence your witness, to keep you 